It's a phrase from popular movies. It's also a question that comes up in our daily life. The question is, is that even legal? We talk about the things that drive you crazy, the things you won't believe, and the things you need to know and understand. I'm attorney Bob Sewell, and this is the podcast, Is That Even Legal? Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of Is That Even Legal? My name is Sarah Clifford. I am gunning for Bob's job as host of the podcast, and we are going to flip the tables. And today, Bob is going to be the guest on the podcast. You guys might be familiar with Bob as the typical host, but Bob also practices uh, and has a vibrant practice uh, at Davis Miles doing uh, probate and trust litigation. Thank you for coming, Bob. <laughs> it's almost like I'm here all the time, so don't worry about it. It is almost like you're here all the time. <laughs> right. Okay. I have a legal term of art for you. Okay. Casserole ladies. Casserole ladies. Casserole ladies. So uh, for our <laughs> listeners who may not be familiar with casserole ladies, Bob pa- uh, Bob's wife uh, passes away. Rebecca passes away. And um, because Bob is now a charming bachelor uh, uh, <laughs> um all of the ladies in the neighborhood who are single start bringing him casseroles and saying yes. bob i made this casserole for you and make sure to bring back the dish <laughs> right. um and bob eats casserole brings back the dish a big love affair ensues uh they get married and then the casserole lady says bob your kids are evil yeah. Go ahead and disinherit them and leave everything to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so she is whispering in her casserole lady voice. Uh, she's whispering these evil nothings about Bob's children. Yeah. And so Bob um, goes ahead and takes off his kids, disinherits them, and says everything is going to go to casserole lady. Is that even legal? Oh, very legal. And so common I mean, it is such a common story, right? Uh, (laughs) That we, yeah, the the casserole ladies are very real. Um, Just as an aside, my wife says, "Are you going to remarry?" In the the very common conversation, "Are you going to remarry when I die?" And I say, "Well, you know, I like being married, so yeah, I think I'd remarry." Wouldn't you remarry? And don't you like being married? No, I'm never going to remarry. You know, (laughs) and and then I say, "But I wait. I'll wait an appropriate." appropriate period she's like well so how long are you gonna appropriate period i said at least a month at least a month that first casserole lady that comes by that's the person no no, no don't do that don't marry or date the casserole lady because it ends up just as you said um no yeah that's a totally legal it's totally legal for she to convince the husband to give her everything that's that's totally fine that and and it it tends to play into these you know common norms of of a certain generation right that is a man is to provide for his wife and of that generation uh they that they expect that they will inherit they will inherit very well that's that's the expectation i'm marrying you I'm bringing you these casseroles. Um, I'm washing your socks. Uh, you will make sure I'm well taken care of. So, yeah, that is not v- uncommon. Happens all the time. 
And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But be a wise consumer of the law and be a wise uh, person and who you marry. So what if I was your wife and I was really worried about the casserole ladies? Is there anything I can do um, before I pass away to make sure that, you know, I want to make sure that what we built together goes to our kids, not some random lady down the street who's wearing yoga pants and bringing you casseroles. (laughs) Um, You know, with a nice, with a nice. Just so you know, I had in my head, I was an old man and these were like, (laughs) (laughs) these were like silver haired, you know. I had that in my mind too, but the the description changed. Now she's wearing yoga pants and she does Pilates and she's making casseroles. But I'm, I'm your wife. I'm really worried about this. Is there anything that I can do to prevent this as, um, you know, as 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 a concerned spouse? Oh, absolutely. Yes. That is the quintessential, you know, reason for doing a trust. When you take, have a trust, and even if you are a person of average means, okay, having a trust set up so you lock up one spouse's half, the, the that half can't be touched. That half won't transfer to to uh, uh, that half doesn't transfer to the new casserole lady, right? You're gonna you're gonna lock up your your half. You're gonna keep it locked up until your until the death of the second spouse, in which case it's gonna get released to your kids. And in the uh, in the event uh, of the your husband dying, you know he's he's married the casserole lady. Uh, at this point, he could only transfer his half. Your half will always go to your kids. And it's important that we carefully draft this. We understand what's what's going on. You know, for me personally, I don't care. I just, I just, I did the the estate plan of just don't give it to the hot young thing, wife. You know, you get everything. <laughs> you verbally told her. <laughs> I verbally told her. I figure she wants to give it to her next boyfriend. I guess that's okay, but she's not going to. That's knock on wood she's not going to do that but yeah that if you're worried about that yeah you could do something about it yeah so what are the you know i know you said your your estate plan is to just say hey rebecca don't give it to the hot pool boy um i have a trust that it all goes why isn't everybody doing this where they where they have the um you know in the legal world we call that the ab split so um husband has his assets wife has his her assets um and when one of them passes away we say okay Wife's assets, definitely going to the kids. Husband cannot change that. Husband can do whatever he wants with his assets. Um, why doesn't, why doesn't everybody do that? That sounds like a great idea. I think it's, I think it's more, yeah, it, it, it sounds like a great idea in, in theory, right? And then mm-hmm. on the death of the first spouse and you're stuck with a proposition of actually physically titling, titling assets into different trusts, you know, it, it becomes cumbersome. It's sort of an irritation. And for a lot of families, they just don't want to deal with it. You know, so, and the other thing is this. So let's say that in my situation, just like my situation, when I got married, I was young and dumb, right? I was a young guy. I had no money. We had nothing. And we finished up school 
and we get jobs and we raise a family and then we started to accumulate stuff. And there's this, in my mind, it's what we've built together. She could do whatever she wants when it's, you know, because we, we built it together. We have only the same children, you know, it's not a his and her family. So it just feels very unnatural to try to control that after I die. That's just for me. And I think for a lot of families in my situation, that's, that is the way um, they feel. Now, half the, half of America gets divorced and they remarry and they have his and her kids and his, hers and theirs and, you know, all this stuff, right? Um, his, hers and ours. I, if you adopt, it could be his, hers and, and theirs. theirs. <laughs> but, but his, hers and ours kids. When that happens, your mindset changes, right? You have competing competing obligations. You want to make sure your kids are well taken care of. You feel an obligation to them, a type of obligation that your spouse doesn't feel because they weren't there when the kid was in the kid was in the uh, you know, learning how to walk, yeah, all and that they weren't stuff, there. And diapers, you know? Yeah, for the first day of school, and, yeah. and yeah. learning to ride a bike. Yeah, they, they just don't have that investment. So, you know, and they were, but they were there for the teenage years, which are the hard ones, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't have that emotional investment. That AB split, so important, so logical, so natural. That's what you should think about, in my opinion. So, Bob, I have a question. Sure. I was driving. Um, and I heard on the radio, this guy come on and he goes, um, attention, attention, attention. If you do not have a trust, then everything is going to go to the stepmom. Is that even legal? <laughs> yeah. I think I heard something similar and it, it, it yeah, the, he's wrong. I mean, I don't know who he's trying to fear monger to. I've heard some have heard similar things. But no, a trust is not a one-way ticket to every, a trust does not fix the issue of stepmom, right? Um getting everything. A trust might be a one-way ticket to that. It's only a carefully drawn out estate plan will avoid giving to people you don't want to give to. And if you have a stepmom, if if I'm a child and my dad dies and dad had a wife and dad didn't do an estate plan, it doesn't all go to stepmom. In fact, it goes half to stepmom, half to the kids. So yeah, it's not legal. When that guy says everything is going to go to stepmom unless you have a trust, nah, he's wrong. So what other alternatives do I have instead of a trust then? Um, because he's saying that everything needs to go to uh, step or everything goes to stepmom. And if I don't have a trust and you said, well, crafted estate plan, what other tools do I have? Okay. So, so when you look at your estate and you're thinking about, you have to think about how each asset will transfer. So if I have a life insurance policy, I'm looking at the beneficiary designation. If I have a, a brokerage account or a 401k or an IRA, I need to look at that beneficiary designation. If I have bank accounts, are they joint accounts? Are they transfer on death accounts? Or anything like, like the same. When I have a house, 
How's my house titled? Is it titled as joint tenants with rider survivorship, community property with rider survivorship? Is it titled as tenants in common? But you have to look at the titling of each individual asset. And then you say, okay, how will this transfer and who will it go to? And once you've done that, then you could look at your estate plan. And then you could say, well, I want it to go here. I want my money and my assets to go there. And then you look at the tools you have to retitle the assets either into a trust or I keep these assets in my name. Either I keep the beneficiary designations or I remove them. I name new people. All right. This is all really boring, but it's something that has to be done if you're going to have a well-ordered estate. And it's going, and if you want it to go to the people you want it to go to. So what if I get divorced? I was married to um, Deadbeat Joe, and then I decide to uh, remarry, and I remarry really well, and I remarry um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. He's got the money. He's got the money. He's got the money. money. He's got the looks. He's way older than me, but um, <laughs> but he'll die first and leave you something. He'll die first and right? leave it to me. <laughs> but I forget to take off Deadbeat Joe on um, on my accounts, and let's flip this table and say I accidentally die first. Um, does Deadbeat Joe? Uh, if I if I ta- if I forget to update my estate planning because I'm so excited, I'm marrying Robert Downey Jr. Um, who gets your stuff? Who gets my stuff? Yeah. Does it go to my new husband or does it go to Deadbeat Joe, who I divorced because he just wanted to play video games? Yeah. Yeah. The answer surprises you. And it's it's a little more complex. And I get this all the time. So first, I'm going to tell you the answer. Then I'm going to tell you some really weird stories. Okay. So the answer is, well, it depends. How? What type of asset is it? That's the first question. What type of asset is it? So let's say I have a 401k. And if, as long as you're dreaming here, I'm going to dream big. It's There's $20 million in my 401k. And in this case, you got $20 million. And we go back to your example. $20 million in your 401k. And you still have Deadbeat Joe listed on your 401k. You hate that guy, right? Did I make Deadbeat Joe a millionaire accidentally? You mismade him a multimillionaire. No. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you're like, really? My ex-spouse, I just made a multimillionaire? And the answer is, yeah. If it's a 401k, yeah, you did. Why? And the reason is because 401ks, Anything governed under a law called ERISA, anything governed under ERISA is a, a is governed by federal law and federal law only. And the federal government said, okay, we are going to control the legal space under ERISA. 401ks are governed under ERISA. And they say, the federal government says, we don't care if it's your ex-spouse or your current spouse, whoever the beneficiary is. Of that life policy governed under ERISA, of that 401k, of that thrift savings plan, you know, all those types of things, it goes to whoever the beneficiary is. Now, that's different than if I have, you know, $20 million in a regular brokerage account. So I have a regular brokerage account and you put that 20 million bucks in there and it's naming the ex-spouse. 
Well, because it's not governed under ERISA, no, the ex-spouse doesn't take. The ex-spouse, it, typically what happens, not always, but typically it just ends up going to your estate and then you have to have a probate, in, which isn't pleasant, but it could be done. But the ex-spouse won't take, and that's because under state law, and also almost every single state in the union, if not every single state, has a law that says all those beneficiary designations that, you know, on your, on your brokerage account, on your regular private life insurance, um, on your regular bank accounts, all those beneficiary designations, they go away on divorce. And so, and they're, they're, they're just revoked. And so the federal government, they haven't filled, it, filled that void with their law. And so the state law can apply. Yeah, it's sort of weird, right? Yeah, that is weird. Let's talk about another estate planning myth that I've heard. So I have had clients come in and talk to me and they say, if I don't have any estate planning, um, is the government going to take everything? Is the government going to take my assets if I do nothing with them? So if I have zero estate planning when I die, do, do my assets go to the government? No, no. It, I've heard that one before too. And I also hear it as a lead up to dying where, Grandma, you better give me all your stuff now or the government's going to take it. You know, so I hear it on both ends, after death, just as you do, and before death. No, it's not, it's, it's not going to the government. The only time it would actually go to the government is if you had absolutely no heirs. You have absolutely no heirs. It's going to the government. So, but that's so small of a percentage of population. There's intestacy laws in every state. That, and intestacy, no, it's, it's not a disease. It's... <laughs> Hey, it does sound like the name it of does, disease. It does. I got a test to see. I have a test to see. It's like some sort of stomach illness. <laughs> exactly. No, it's not a disease. It means you don't have a will. So when I die intestate, the government has established my estate plan. You may or may not like that plan, but it actually is pretty common. It is what people normally do in that situation. Um, you know, no, excuse me. Is the intestacy generally is what people normally do if they were to plan? So, if I have a wife and I've been married to her my entire life, and I have only children with that woman, it'll go to my wife, and vice versa, hus- a wife to husband. In that situation, if I have no children and no spouse, it go out to my up to my parents. And then if I have no parents, it goes up to my grandparents um, and, if, you know, and so on and so forth. There's, a, there's just a, a method for analyzing the intestacy and figuring out where the money goes. Perfect. So what about another estate planning myth that I've heard, which is I can just tell my kids what they want and they'll follow it. Um, I was doing a consult uh, with a lady the other day and she kept mentioning these gifts to her grandkids. And she said, um, you know, you don't need to put the grandkid gifts in the trust because my kids know that they're supposed to give the grandkids money and they're just going to go ahead and follow that. And I kept trying to circle around to the grandkids gifts and she was like, no, no, my kids just know what I want. Um, 
So can I just tell my kids what I want and uh, and do they have to follow that? Is that even legal? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's usually a bad plan. The, the plan, I'm going to give it to my children and or I'm going to give it to one child and then my child will know exactly what to do with it because I've told her and she has never done anything wrong in her life. Incredibly She's virtuous. A She's a saint. She will provide for, her, for the rest of my children. That's what I want her to do. Yeah, that seldom works, right? And the reason is we're greedy and we, we have sudden amnesia when people die. And, and I, I'm not trying to like, you know, cast human nature in a bad light, but we tend to have selective memory when it comes to money. Uh, everyone has, everyone has seen this in their life. There's, there's very few people who act disinterested to their own, to their own interests, interests. Everyone has a certain level of self-interest. So you don't want to put your kids in that position. You don't want to have them warring with each other. Put it down on a, put it down in your estate plan. You want my favorite ring, my Masonic ring to go to my eldest son. And you want your uh, wedding ring to go to your eldest daughter. And you want the scraps on the kitchen table to go to that youngest child because they're always the naughty ones, aren't they? Um, they're always the naughty ones. <laughs> I'm the youngest Aren't kid. you a youngest yeah, child? <laughs> So the you want to put it down on a piece of paper. Don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it to the good nature. The other problem with doing that is you end up causing sometimes tax to that one child. Mm. And it creates a it's just a nightmare. I have an IRA and there's four hundred thousand dollars in my IRA, let's just say, and I die. And I say Son, rather, before I die, I say, son, I'm naming you as the beneficiary of this IRA. You just get lazy filling out the forms. Yep. You're like, I'm just going to list Evan. I'm just living at, listen to Evan and then make sure to provide for, you know, your siblings. Well, you know, when I take money out of an IRA and I'm Evan, that's what's called ordinary income. And it increases what he is going to be taxed, right? Because ordinary income is taxed at whatever your effective tax rate is or your, your, your final tax bracket. So Evan's in a situation where if he gives the money to his siblings, they get more, he gets taxed more. And then he has to figure out, well, how much do I hold back? And then they don't get to take advantage of you know, the, the advantages of having an IRA, inher inheriting an IRA, which is some somewhat of a tax avoidance for a period of time, you don't get that advantage because Bob Sewell didn't plan and he used the plan of uh, trust my oldest child to do the right thing. It's just a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. You know, another like common thing that I hear is these little old ladies come in and they say, my husband did no estate planning, but that's fine because everything goes to me. And I have kids from prior marriage and they hate my guts. Um, and they're totally estranged and I never, ever see them. Um, yeah, yeah I have this, I, I practically speaking, I have this conversation about twice a year. It always breaks my heart. What's the answer? The answer is 
yeah, she's she just lost half of her assets. And that little old lady frequently, you know, I, I get I get this conversation all the time, just like you. So if the, those assets are plentiful, we don't have any heartbreak about that, right? Many millions of dollars are now split, and she's still a multimillionaire, and now her kid, the, his kids are multimillionaires. Many millions of dollars split. We don't really feel that much heartache for that person. When we do feel the heartache is when the sole asset is the house, and maybe a couple hundred thousand in the bank or nothing in the bank. And now the kids are saying, bring me half of the value of that house. Sell it and give me half the value. Yeah, that one hurts, right? Because now we have a little old lady who she was you know, married to her husband for however long, you know, five years, 10 years, 30 years. She's had a life with him. She made an assumption about the estate. He made an assumption about the estate. Everyone could agree that his intention was to allow her to live there for life. It's kind of like the reverse Done. casserole lady. Or we're putting ourselves in the shoes of the casserole lady, yeah. at least, um, for that one. Yeah. So, Bob, if you had a megaphone and you were standing on top of a building and you could scream one thing to the world about um, what we've talked about today. So, um, you know, AB splits, the casserole ladies, remarriage provisions. Um, what would you what would you scream? Yeah. Uh, I'd scream. <laughs> I have this vision in my mind of I'm sitting, you know, like standing like on a big hill or, you know, on a on a building and I'm s- screaming the megaphone looking like a total freak. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I'm trying to think like, what people would I scream? Walking, people are walking and they're like, I don't see this guy. I have such an embarrassment. Check your beneficiary designations. You know, th- maybe I'd scream that. If I could only scream one one thing, yeah, I want. I've had promised to tell the story. Yeah, check your beneficiary designations. If I only get one scream, you one only get one scream. One scream. I'm going to say, check your beneficiary designations and actually understand your asset. Okay. Guy comes to me and he says, "What? My wife and I divorced. It was an amicable divorce, and and we both share children, and she." You know, and she unexpectedly died. And I've been paying, you know, pursuant to this divorce decree, I've been paying the life insurance policy, the million dollar life insurance policy for the past 10 years. Our children are now 15 years old and 16 and 17, whatever it was. And I've been paying this life insurance policy for the past 10 years. And I'm the beneficiary of that policy, that million dollar policy. And the whole intention was that if she were to die early, and I have one on me, by the way, just reverse, but if she were to die early, I'd use that money to help raise these kids. That's what I'd be raising the kids on. Well, she dies, and he's listed as the beneficiary, but he was listed as the beneficiary before death. And excuse me, excuse me, listed as a beneficiary before they divorced. And because this wasn't a ERISA-based plan, this life policy, he's axed from the life policy. He's been paying on this expensive policy for 10 years, and now this policy is going to his children. And you think, oh, well, that's not a big deal. It's going to the children. Well, yeah, it's a really big deal because 
he's lost the income and the help that he was getting from the wife to support the children. And all that money gets locked up, a million bucks, for his kids until they turn 18. And then that million bucks, that several hundred thousand dollars per kid, that $500,000 per kid, it's earned the interest, it gets released to an 18-year-old. This sounds like a great idea, Bob. No, I. It sounds like a wonderful idea when you're 18. I mean, you can go. Um, there's like the call girls, the cocaine, the cocktails. Um, Vegas is not too far away. <laughs> right. This sounds like a great idea, right? It sounds like right? a great idea. Why wouldn't anybody want to leave half a million dollars to an 18 year old? I have no idea. You have it, no idea. It sounds like a great idea. But that's what happens. If, because, so check your beneficiary designations. Do you really understand them? Maybe take a consult with an attorney who knows and understands. Because oftentimes the the insurance agent doesn't know because he went to his insurance agent and he says, hey, uh, what do I have to do here? You know, we divorced. Is this going to work out? He's, oh, don't worry about it. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. So. Yeah, he needed to worry about it. I'm, yeah, exactly. That was my, yeah, that was my attempt at an accent. Uh, he he uh, was misinformed by someone that should know, but they don't because they're not in that area, not truly in that area of law. Yeah, that makes sense. So if someone uh, had questions about anything that we discussed today, how would they reach out to you? Sure. Just call the main line. 480-733-6800. Ask for Bob Sewell or my legal assistant and get on my calendar and we'll have a talk about it. Perfect. Well, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast, Bob, and thank you for letting me uh, host with you. I hope that, uh, you know, the the higher ups watch this and then they say, <laughs> Bob's out, Sarah's in. So... <laughs> Getting yeah. for your job. You better yeah. watch out. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah. Thanks for listening to Is That Even Legal? Remember, this isn't legal advice. If you have a legal question for yourself, reach out to an attorney. Remember that we're fun, we're lovable, and we are here to help you. To my listeners in 62 countries across the world, if you have something you want to explore, email us at producer at evenlegal.com. And don't be shy about leaving a review for this podcast on your favorite podcast forum. See you next time.